you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, and this is Wednesdays with Will. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, just a, a great time to be alive. You know, there's a lot going on, but man, in the darkest hour, that's when the saints of God shine bright. So, man, it's not time for doom and gloom. I know things are happening. And we report on that and we talk about it. We want you to be informed. We want you to know what's going on. But at the end of the day, God is in control. He's sovereign. Uh, He's not caught off guard by anything that's happening. And so we can put our full weight down on him. That's that's what the old folks used to say. Put put your full weight down on him. You know, he's he's worthy to be praised, worthy to be trusted. And man, we need to lean on him. This is Aaron Addison's, and before I get started, I want to uh, just go through these announcements here. Uh, email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. Make sure you register for the Marriage Family Life Conference happening July 7th to the 9th here in Tupelo, Mississippi at the Bancorp South Arena. Going to be a great time. You know, I always like to highlight one of the special um features of the conference is that it's a family conference. Everybody can come. You don't have to get a sitter and all this kind of stuff. Like bring your family. We have something special for the, for the children uh, ages four to 17. It's the youth apologetics track where we minister to your children as well. You know, it's more than juice and, and, and crackers, although they may get that, but it's a lot more than that. We want to make sure that they are being fed the word as well. And so it's a great time for children. It's a great time for adults. Everybody can come. Everybody can come. Marriage Family Life Conference, July 7th uh, to the 9th. Uh, make sure you go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and register there. On the site, you can find out information about hotels. Uh, you can uh, be able to, to see the speakers and, and kind of read their biogra- biographies and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. God has truly blessed this conference in the past, and I expect the same, man. I expect the same. I expect him to show up. I expect uh, it to be an anointed time, a time of uh, equipping, uh, teaching, and where, man, where God is just going to speak to our hearts. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and on YouTube. You can search Aaron Addison's, and you can watch the broadcast live. Uh, visit the By Design Facebook page as well uh, and go to the webpage afa.net slash by design. And if you desire clear and concise teaching on a biblical response to critical race theory, go to resources.afa.net and you can pick up a two part teaching done by Miki Addison on this topic. 
Let me see. I think I have one more announcement. So we are gathering stories now to play during the spring charathon, and we'd like to hear from you. Has the Lord used American Family Radio in your life? Have, have we been there or given the right thought at just the right time? Please share your story. And we'd like to hear your air for our story. It could be a blessing and encouragement to others. It can be a blessing and encouragement to me. I love hearing those stories. Tell us how Christ has used air for in your life. Call and share for a minute or two, and you might hear yourself during share Our listener storyline uh, is 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. You won't be like live on a radio. you just uh, be recording like a voicemail message. And then our talented people like J-Mac and, and others like him <laughs> will get those testimonies and make sure that they sound radio ready. How about that? So today, today, um, I'm going to talk about what does it mean to be a culture proof kid or a, a culture proof child? Right. Um, that's something that Miki and I, we talk about a lot. Um, Miki actually has a teaching uh, that, that she um, presents when we when she present when we go different places is about being culture proof. And that's something that uh, we kind of I, I guess we can say we coined that term. It's something that we would, would use on the radio uh, back when we uh, would do Urban Family on that network. And uh, Aaron Addison's was a, a three hour morning show. <laughs> a lot of people don't know about that. But uh, when Aaron Addison's was a morning show, we had these different tar- terms and different words that we would uh, coin and, and, and use. And we actually had some uh, shirts made out of some of these, you know, phrases. And culture proof was one of them. And uh, if you send me an email, addisons at AFR.net, I can let you know how to get one of those culture proof T-shirts. Uh, so just send me an email if you want information about that. But I want to talk about what it means to be culture proof because we're talking about a lot of stuff today. You know, we've really been uh, hitting uh, the point about what, what Disney is doing. And it's not only Disney. It's so many others. But, you know, we're highlighting them because of what uh, they've been doing as of late. And I know, I know they've been doing this for a long time. I understand, you know, but you can you can agree with me that things are becoming more and more egregious in a sense of there's a lot more boldness in being out front and in the views and all that kind of stuff, you know, and they're really moving to uh, affect uh, uh, laws and, and politics by what they're doing. Now, this is Disney. It's supposed to be a place where families can go and enjoy themselves and, you know, children can uh, uh, form memories and stuff like that, good memories. And But, man, they have allowed themselves to be backed into this corner to where now they are being forced to do some things. And I'm not saying that they didn't even want to do it, but they, they've been forced to do it in a way that they may not have wanted to do it initially. So I want to talk about being culture proof. So first of all, what does it mean to be culture proof? But being culture proof means being able to dwell within a corrupt and wicked culture and not be stained or affected by it. Not be stained or affected by it. In other words, Jesus prayed for his disciples that he said, I do not ask you 
to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That would be us. <laughs> the gospel has been passed down generation to generation, and we have received it. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. This is John chapter 17, verse 15 uh, through 16 and 18 to 21. So these are the culture proof ones. The scripture says in John chapter 15, verse 18 and 21. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. This is one of those, one of those scriptures where I'm like, look, we better get used to it. And y'all heard me say this before. I've said this many times before. We have to get used to the fact that we will not be adored and liked in this world. And we have to be at a place where we're like, man, that's fine. That's fine. The word says, remember the word I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. So that's the bottom line. These are the ones who are culture proof. That's us. We have to be culture proof. Now, the thing about the culture, and I know we tend to personify it on Aaron Addison's. But the thing about it is if you allow yourself to be gripped by this culture, it will definitely snag you up. Like we have to be fortified in the word of God. That's why we make it a practice that we want to come from the straight edge of scripture when we're talking about different issues of the day. Because the fact of the matter is you can have different pundits and talking heads talking about the issues, talking about what's going on with the Supreme Court nominee and talking about Disney and talking about all these different things that are real life, you know, situations and things going on. But we talk about these things from a biblical po uh, point of view, a biblical perspective, because the word has the answers. Why would I just talk about things just to hear myself talk you know, just so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. Why not give the solutions from the word? What does the word say about this situation or that situation? And so we have to make sure that we are always basing our opinion and all this kind of stuff on the word of God. But these are the culture proof ones, the ones who understand that the world hates us. Right. The ones that understand that we are not of this world, even though we're in it. And we have to navigate life as being part of ones who live in this world. These are the culture proof ones. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. P 
pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Keep oneself unstained by the world. These are the culture-proof ones, the ones who not only talk about it, but who are also being about it, right? Ones who can keep themselves unstained from the world. That, that, again, that does not mean that you don't have to navigate while in this world. It does not mean that you're not going to rub shoulders, you know, with people who don't know the same salvation that you have. I hope we are rubbing shoulders so that we can spread the good news. But man, there is a staining that the world uh, has that if you're not careful, as we're navigating this world, we can be corrupted by it. It's so easy for us to be uh, um, lackadaisical. It's so easy for us to kind of chill out because, man, a lot of times to be vigilant is hard. It's hard work. The way that this world and this culture is set up, and I, and I, tell, I tell people this all the time, the way that it's set up is for you to fail. It's, for, it's to cater to your flesh. It's to cater to your desires, what you want. That's the way of the world. And we have to always be on guard. You know, Amiki, she often say, I know we have one note. <laughs> you know, it seems like we talk about the same thing, but man, it's necessary. You know, one thing I've learned is that it's all about application. So if I'm hearing something over and over again, yet I have not put, in, put it into effect in my life, I'm failing. It's not about how many scriptures we know, how much information we have. It's about how much we can apply. So if we have one note, I'm hoping it's the note of the gospel. I'm hoping it's the note of let's get back to the Bible. I'm hoping it's like, man, don't be stained by the world. Man, wake up, see what's going on. Let's not be dull, you know, in a spirit of stupor. Man, that's the note because we have to have discernment. Man, the church has to wake up. And so these things are in efforts to man a awaken the bride of Christ and to say, man, let's take a look at what's going on around us. Let's be culture proof while we're in this world. Let's not be of it. Let's not be of it. We're going to talk a, a bit more about what it means to be culture proof and what it means to culture proof our children. These are the things that are very important, especially in the days that we're living in. Ernie Addison's Wednesdays with Will. I'll be back right after this. To a princess, and they ain't even gave him a chance to be a prince yet. They sick agenda telling you to let him clip his member. He can't even pick his bedtime, but he could pick his gender. They say that I ain't woke. I say they ignorant. They ignorant. See, I remember how the pilgrims did the Yeah, this is Ernie Addison's here on American Family Radio. Wednesdays with Will, and that's Bizzle with Poppin'. Man, culture proof. Being culture proof. We have to be ones who are not. Um, influenced highly by this culture Like we, we live here Yes This is it We know um, That we are in this world And we have to You know Do some things We have to navigate life But man We can't be uh, Of this world It's clear It's clear There's no way That we can thrive As the body of Christ Yet You know Soaked in everything That the world want, wants to offer us it, it can't happen 
And so today I'm talking about what it means to be culture proof and what it means to culture proof our children. But we have to first be culture proof ourselves if we want our children to be culture proof, right? So these are the culture proof ones. Uh, being culture proof does not mean being in fear and paranoia concerning the world. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. So it's not about being afraid about what's going on. You see, sometimes people translate us talking about issues and warning of what's happening as, oh, man, why y'all so scared? Oh, man, y'all, y'all scared. No, 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 no. We're not scared. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I always say, if God is not giving it, I don't want it. I don't accept it. So God has not given us a spirit of fear. But at the same time, we alert the body of Christ to what's going on. See, there's a lot of people who don't understand, you know, uh, what's happening and how deep things are run, you know. And so we help each other to understand these issues. So this is not a, a fear or paranoia thing, but it's a, a realization that, man, there are evil forces. There are things that are happening, but God has uh, given us the power to overcome. So parents, we hear and see what's happening in the culture around us, and it may cause us great concern. But this is why we are proactive in discipling our homes, our children in our homes. See, because we see what's going on, that should light a fire under us to disciple our children and make sure our families, you know, are, are, are ready for what they will encounter. You know, it's a sad thing to see all of this stuff. And I know some people who really are up on what's going on, you know, in the news, really understand you know, they can tell you this and this is happening. That is happening. But it, it, it don't move them to do anything else like this stuff should move us to disciple our children. This 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 should move us to, like, take our families, our wives, our husbands and be like, man, let's pray. Let's man. What do we need to do? This should move us to action. And so because we are we are proactive, we need to be proactive. We need to be more aggressive. You know, when it comes down to things like this, to disciple our homes, we don't fear. We combat fear with prayer and action. We combat fear with prayer and action. And I'll just say it like this, because prayer is action. I don't want to give, you know, the sense that prayer is not doing anything. Prayer is work. Prayer is doing the work. So prayer is action. The Lord once told his disciples a parable and at the beginning of the parable, uh, Luke uses a, a weighty phrase that we should meditate on. Luke starts off uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. They ought to pray and not to lose heart. Listen, parents. Listen, families. With all that we are facing and battling against, if we don't pray, we will lose heart. We will lose heart. See, the thing is, as we see what's going on, man, the prayer should be multiplying. The praying should be multiplying. And look, I'm guilty of it. A lot of times it's easier to complain than it is to pray. But I remember Man, clearly, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart one time and said, Will, if you pray as much as you complain, oh, man, things will be different. 
I still remember that. I still remember that. And my uh, uh, in my, my job and, and what I've been trying to do ever since I, I heard that was, man, Lord, how can I pray concerning this matter? I don't get it perfectly. You know, I still may go off into some complaining. I'm like, man, but the Lord, he pricks my heart. He convicts me. If you will pray about it. What if we believed that? What if we believed what we said about prayer? What if we really believed it? <laughs> what if we really believed that prayer was is, is talking to the most high God? That is action, that it 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 moves God, that he hears us, that God actually hears us. So as we talk about what's going on with Disney and what we as we talked about talk about things that's happening in in the culture, you know, we we talk about all these things as much as we talk about them, there should be a lot of praying going on as well. Because if you don't pray, you're going to lose heart. And it's easy to lose heart or to get fearful or to, to, to be placed in a position of doubt if we're not praying. See, when we pray, we put our focus and our eyes on the Lord, not on the situation and the circumstances. And in prayer, in prayer, God gives us Orders. He helps us to see ways to deal with the things that we're praying about. This is a weapon of our warfare. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And so, but if we don't use the weapon, well, it's useless. And so even in prayer, because some people will say, yeah, I know, I know we got to pray, but what else, what else can we do? Well, yes, God will give you the what else can we do if you pray first. If we pray first, prayer is doing something. And, 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 and from this scripture, it's clearly stated that men ought to always pray and not faint. So that's telling me that if men, men are not praying, there's a lot of fainting going on. Man, look at look at what's happening in our churches. I see a lot of fainting because there's not a lot of praying. Being culture proof is being a person, an individual of prayer. And leading our families in the same way. It's praying. Now, what does it mean to be a culture proof child? Well, we want to raise up our children to be culture proof, to be ones you know, who would be able to navigate the, the, uh, the, the world that they will be thrust into at the proper time. So a culture-proof child values the word of God. Now, if our children don't see us valuing the word of God, it's likely that they will not value the word of God either. But Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 17 he was encouraging Timothy, who is now an elder of the church in Ephesus. He said, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, 
equipped for every good work. So we desire for our children to be culture proof. We have to set them up with the foundation of the word of God. You know, I, I bet I bet our children get tired of us saying, well, let's see what the word says about this. And, I, and I'm saying that I'm, I'm not I don't know that they're tired of us saying that, but we say it a lot. Because we're not just going off of our own mindset and what we think. We have something much better, man. We have the word of God. So in this scripture here, Paul is reminding Timothy. He's encouraging him. Man, from childhood, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings. (laughs) Man, let it be said about our children That we can go back and call out to them and say, look, I know you're going through a rough time. You may be a little fearful about what's happening here. But remember, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings that we raised you up in the word of God. You know, yes, you're going to hit bumps. You're going to get bruises. But man, look, you have a sure foundation from childhood. (laughs) You have been acquainted with the writings, the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You got to imagine Timothy is the, is the leader of this church in Ephesus. Now he has to deal with the affairs of, of, of people and, and what's going on and how to be a pastor and and an elder there. So this encouragement from the apostle Paul, man, I can imagine it did, it did good for Timothy to hear to be reminded, look, man, you've been acquainted with the, the sacred writings. You know the Bible. You have the word of God. And then he goes in and said, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. So whatever you need, young Timothy, is in the word. It's in the word. So that the man of God may be adequate. Equipped for every good work. He's telling Timothy, you're going to be you're going to be fine. Just remember that you have the word. So culture proof children. They value the word of God. They value the word of God. A culture proof child. Is a child of prayer. Because a culture proof child is a disciple of God. One of his disciples asked him to teach them how to what? How to pray. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished. Now, see, man, there's so much in this passage here. And I'll I'll read it and then I'll go back. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, he after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Wow. So first what we see is that Jesus was praying and that the disciples saw him. They were watching him. So do our children see us praying? Do we pray with our children? This question came about because they saw Jesus praying. And after they finished, one of them had the boldness to say, man, teach us how to pray like that. (laughs) Now, This always jumps out at me because this says something about this particular disciple. It says something about Jesus 
And it says something about John the Baptist. It says that prayer was a centerpiece in their lives. And it has to be a centerpiece for the culture-proof child. And one thing that, that stuck out about this passage is that with all the things that they saw Jesus do, think about it. Man, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, preach these, you know, sermons and give these parables. The thing that this disciple asked about was, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach, teach me how to pray. The value of prayer. You see it right here. This disciple didn't say, teach me how to cast out those demons, Jesus. Man, I want to see that man over there, his leg grow back. Like, teach me how to heal. Teach me how to perform a miracle. Man, that water into wine. Oh, man, that was, that was it. No, he said, teach us how to pray. So culture proof, you want your child to be culture proof. You have to be culture proof. And you want them to be a child of prayer. But again, we model those things for our children. That disciple saw Jesus praying. And in turn, after he finished, he was like, man, I got to have that. I have to have that in my tool belt. I need that. Lord, teach me how to pray. So uh, also a culture proof child understands that he or she is doing business with the creator of heaven and earth. That when they pray, there is a communion with them and the infinite God, all powerful, most high God. Culture proof children. They are obedient followers of Christ. A culture-proof child carries out Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. A culture-proof child carries out the Great Commission. But again, they're not going to do it unless it's modeled for them. And a culture-proof parent desires his or her child to be, you know, a culture-proof child as well. So they stand on the straight edge of Scripture as well. The culture-proof child is compassionate and care for the souls of the lost. The culture-proof child is active in his or her beliefs. They are not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1, 16 The culture-proof child stands out in the midst of darkness. And this is what we want for our children, to be able to stand in the midst of darkness. They are different. The Bible says, therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Ephesians 5, 7 through 8. They are children of the light. Bible says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Our culture-proof children expose darkness. They don't participate in it. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We're talking about being culture-proof and how to culture-proof our children. We'll be back after this.
Zarina Addison's here on American Family Radio. We're talking about being culture-proof, being culture-proof, and how to culture-proof our children. And again, uh, we have these uh, culture-proof um, shirts. If you want to uh, find out how to get one of those shirts, just uh, email me, addisons at AFR.net, uh, addisons at AFR.net. We have adult and children sizes, you know, and it's just a way um, that just to represent, you know, who you are, what you are. You know, there's shirts that say all kind of stuff with a church, uh, a shirt that says culture proof. You know, I can get with that. <laughs> um, and so we've been talking about that today. And I, I want to shift just a little bit to go to kind of what we have been talking about uh, in the past few days. Uh, just one point. But before that, I want to give the number out. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. If you want to talk about being culture proof um, or, you know, you have another question, please give me a call. If I don't know the answer, I'll let you know I don't know it. You know, but don't let that stop you from from calling. All right. So I want to kind of shift just a little bit um, at this point about something to talk about something we've been speaking about a little bit uh, lately. We need to pray and ask the Lord that there will be no hooks of the world in us. And what do I mean by that? There are certain things that. Uh, as we're traveling in this world, as we're sojourning, as we're, you know, pilgrims passing through, they're like hooks. They hook themselves uh, into us. And, man, every time we're confronted, it's almost like those besetting sins and different things that, man, have a hold on us, you know. Uh, and we have to often present that stuff to God, say, Lord, remove any hooks, any hooks of the world that may, may have me. We have to ask God to give us a heart of quick obedience, quick obedience. Right. Uh, we've been talking about Disney, um, but that might not be a hook for you who's listening. You, you may have said and I've, I've heard it said, you know, oh, man, I, I, I was done with Disney years ago. You know that. But there's other hooks. There are different things that it, that may not be the thing, but there are other things you know, that are hooks. And when confronted to, to give them up or to leave or to go a different direction, it's hard. And it presents kind of a resistance. We're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Can we move when God says move? Can we move when God says move? Now, I've talked about this a couple of times, but I think it's, it's a great um, example um, in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verse 12 through 26. You can read it for yourself. But it's talking about Lot and how Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed. Right. And so the angels came down to say, look, we're going to destroy this place. You got to go. Um, and, you know, it was it was one of those things where this was a hook for Lot. It was a hook for his wife. Well, I'm going to read it because this and it's not. And again, this is not to shine a light on on Lot and say he was a bad guy. But as it pertains to what we're talking about with Disney and other things like that, we have to survey our hearts. And I know I, I recently talked about this, but I want to bring it up again. Genesis chapter 19, verse uh, 12 through 26, it says, Then the two men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? 
a son-in-law, and your sons and your daughters, and whomever you have in the city. Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place. Because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So they were clear about what their mission was. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. He thought he was joking. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. And there it is once again. And I look, those hooks will cause us to hesitate. When it's time to move, when it's time to go, if those things have gotten their hooks into us, it's hard. Oh, man, it's a struggle. It's like, oh, I can't do it. So then the Bible goes on to say, so the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought them out and put him, they put him outside the city. So Lot knew, he knew what was happening. He knew what was, what had been pronounced for the city. But man, he couldn't just go. They had to physically remove him from that place. Man, it reminds me of something that happened in my life. Uh, there was a situation, there was a time where I was living in a different place. And the Lord was giving me dreams, giving me key dreams, certain dreams about different things. And man, they all seemed to kind of relate. And man, it seemed like we was in these dreams. It was almost like God was warning us. And I mean, they were happening like all the time. We had so many different dreams. But it seemed like and they, they all related. But man, we were very, very immature at the time. And we didn't really even know how to interpret these dreams. Like we didn't even know to just say, Lord, what, what are you saying here? We thought the dreams were saying something different, <laughs> you know. And so it came to, to a point in time where that season of our life was over. And it was hard to leave because, man, I was hooked. Like I shed tears, real tears when I had to leave. Because I thought something different in my in my mind. My my hands were not wide open. My my hands were wrapped around that thing. And when it was time to go. It's almost like God had to physically remove us. Just like we're reading about Lot, you know, it it wasn't where angels were, were there and they had to grab our hands. But, man, it was the closest thing you can get to being physically moved. It was more of, you know, how Elijah, when the, the brook dried up and the raven stopped bringing him food, it was time for him to go, <laughs> you know, and everything dried up where we were. God caused that to be because he knew what was on the other side. You know, I had a young man who the Lord had allowed me to disciple. I remember him saying one time, no one knows what's on the other side of obedience. You don't know what's on the other side of obedience. Man, that stuck with me. It's so right. God calls us to obey. He gives us warnings. He, he shows us different things. And we don't know what's on the other side of obedience, but we should be quick to obey. But if we have hooks in our lives, it's so much 
it's, it's harder. It's, more, it's harder to obey when we have those things that are hooked into us. So we have Lot. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. For the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. So they had the, they had the mandate. They had the, con- the command. Escape for your lives. Don't look behind you. Man, how many times God brings us out of a place and we're steadily look behind, looking behind. Oh, I remember. Man, look, the children of Israel, they did it. When, when God brought them out of Egypt. They, they remembered the leeks and the onions and the, the food that they had in Egypt. And they were murmuring against Moses and against God. You took us out here to die. Man, we do the same thing. That hook was still in the people. They had been delivered with a great deliverance. But man, they couldn't get away in their hearts. So the angels are saying, don't look behind. You know, don't look behind. We tend to look behind a lot. I remember when, man, when I was this, oh man, when I lived here, when I did this, man, look in front of you. Do not look behind and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Now behold, your servant was found. Now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape. This is Lot to the mountains for the disaster will overtake me and I will die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? And he said to him, behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town of which you have, have spoken. Hurry, escape there for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Look, God has plans for us. He has a plan for our lives. He, he, he really has a plan. And we don't actually know the full extent of the plan that he has for us. But we know the God who has made the plan. And so nothing was going to happen until Lot was gone. They could, he had to be gone. See, I cannot do anything until you arrive there. They said, therefore, the name of the town was called Zoar. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Looking back uh, could be detrimental. It could be detrimental. And so what am I saying? Well, when we talk about things like Disney, when we talk about, you know, having to let go things that may have seemed to be nostalgic and, man, I I created a lot of memories, whatever that thing is for you, if God is removing you and saying, look, give it up, we have to ask him for the strength not to look back. We have to ask him that for the ability, you know, to let go of those things. We have to ask him, God, help me. I'm weak in this area. You know that I have hooks 
right here. Would you help me to let this stuff go? Because on my own, I can't do it. I can't do it. And that's real talk. God already knows our hearts. So we don't have to like shuck and jive with God. He already knows. So why, why not be real? If we don't have it, we can say we don't have it. Man, and look, we all have those things that if God put his finger on that thing, it's going to be difficult for us to let go of. But man, we need to ask God, give me open hands. Help me not to have my, my fist balled up around whatever that thing is so tight that I will not let go. I will not let it go. And so as it pertains to what we've been talking about, you know, and other things that may be in our lives. It's time to survey if we have hooks in our lives. Look, we can gain a lot from the word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse four, for whatever was written in earlier times was writ written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. So when we read about Lot, when we read about the children of Israel, when we read about all these different uh, uh, characters in the Bible, man, it's not in, in judgment of them. Like none of us can just say that, you know, we would have done that perfectly because we're reading their stories after the fact. We're living these lives now and confronted with different things. Sometimes, look, we may not know how we may respond. Hopefully we will respond in a proper way, but we may not know. But man, we have the word of God. We have the scriptures and all those things that were writ written before time were for our learning so that we can gain encouragement and, and we can persevere because of what has been done before us. So if you want to be culture proof and you want your child to be culture proof, Man, we have to get to work, y'all. We, we have to get to work. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some things we're going to have to let go. And there's going to be some decisions that we're going to have to make concerning our children that they're not going to like. But because we are the parents and we have been given the, the job to take care of them, to watch over them, it, it's just how it has to be. Look, let's not be caught in momentary things right, right now. Let's think ahead. A lot of times we lag back. We are slow to do what God calls us to do. We're slow to it. We lack discernment sometimes. And then we look around and we're like, man, why everything? Why is everything so bad? Why, why, why are my kids acting like this? Why are my children displaying this characteristic? Man, some of it is because of our lack. Yes, they have to make their own decisions. As they grow, we're going to have to like let go and do something. But we can always still pray. We can always ask God to watch over them. Man, we have to be vigilant as parents. We have to be the ones who take the responsibility to raise up our kids, to train them up so that they can be culture-proof children. But first, we have to be culture-proof ourselves. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then. God bless.